DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Missionary Benedictines of Christ the King Priory, presents The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual path for today's world, with Father Mauritius Vildi. Father Mauritius did his philosophical, theological, and doctoral studies in Rome. He is the author of numerous books, including I Want to Understand You, Encountering Foreign Worlds with the Little Prince, The New Image of God's Image, Meister Eckhart on Image and Theology, Peter and Paul, Models of Decision-Making, and On the Way, Benedict's Journey for Spiritual Maturity. Father Mauritius also serves as the prior of Sant'Anselmo in Rome. The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual path for today's world, with Father Mauritius Vildi. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome, Father Mauritius. Thank you for having me, Chris. I'm so blessed to be able to dive into this next topic, which I think is one that, well, I just can't wait to hear how St. Benedict would encourage us through the rule to contemplate the the many dimensions of the Holy Eucharist. Dear Chris, I have to admit, I have to start with something disappointing. Mm -hmm. Because if you search the rule of St. Benedict, seeking for something on the Holy Eucharist, you don't find much. Actually, you find almost nothing. So this is disturbing um, at the first glance. I think we have only three little remarks that show that the monks were celebrating the Eucharist at all. Think about these long and many chapters on the liturgy of the hours and the liturgy of the word, mm -hmm. but almost nothing on the Eucharist. We have, and this is so, it's, it's, it's so little that I can quote it easily. It's in chapter 38, the reader of, for the week. So it's interesting. It's in this chapter that uh, talks about table reading. In verse two, we have after mass and communion, let the incoming reader ask all to pray for him so that God may shield him from the spirit of vanity. That's all. And then in the same chapter, verse 10, because of holy communion and because the fast may be too hard for him, the table reader, to bear, the brother who is reader for the week is to receive some diluted wine before he begins to read. Okay. And then there's a last remark in chapter 63, community rank. Um, so you see uh, the topics, uh, the topic of the Holy Eucharist appears in, uh, in, in strange environments, so to speak, here in the, in the rule. Chapter four, therefore, when the monks come for the kiss of peace and for communion, when they lead psalms or stand in choir, they do so in the order decided by the abbot, and so on and so on. So what is going on here? So the the um, theologians were wondering what was the practice of the Holy Eucharist at St. Benedict's times? And what does it mean that he doesn't write about it? Or not so much, at least. 
first of all, as I said, St. Benedict focuses on the Opus Dei, the divine Opus, that means the liturgy of the hours, which is the Word. This is his main focus. But still, the rule and the life of a Benedictine and of St. Benedict are very close to what the mystery of the Eucharist means. So I want to show how kind of indirectly the Eucharist comes in. One thing is that Benedict wants to have everything in the monastery Christ-centered. It's all about Christ. Chapter 72, let them prefer nothing whatever to Christ. St. Benedict talks about the offering. A young man is offered when he is brought to the um, monastery. He talks about the suffering of Christ. We had this in another interview. He emphasizes very much when he orders the liturgy, he emphasizes on Easter. Easter plays an important role. And we know about his emphasis on the meals, so eating together, sharing the meal, this is an important thing. So here you can see that what we understand as the Eucharist, it's all there. It is not lacking, not at all. We still may wonder why he didn't put down any regulations uh, on this for this uh, topic. Historically, probably the monks celebrated the Eucharist just on Sundays. So, I mean, when they started in the 6th century, 5th, 6th century. Uh, either just on Sundays or even more rarely, maybe just twice a year or a couple times a year, very seldom daily. So this is what we can get from all historical documents. The practice of the daily Mass um, came into being centuries later. So it's St. Benedict's time. Probably it was not the practice. One reason was, very simple, that most of the monasteries didn't have priests. It is very probable that St. Benedict was not a priest. So this could explain um, that they didn't have the Eucharist so often. Maybe just if a priest was available. Anyway, the monks shaped the way of their lives by the word of God, the priority of the divine office. I pointed to this already. Nothing is to be to prefer to the work of God. And what I want to share you, what I want to share with you today is how this focus on the liturgy of the hours, reciting the Holy Scripture, how this shaped the way how the monks celebrate the Eucharist today. 
because nowadays, since a long time, this is a very uh, beloved practice of us monks to celebrate the Eucharist every day. And now we have enough priests to do that. So, and this is what I mean when I talk about the contemplative aspect or dimension of the Holy Eucharist. And I'm aware of the fact that the Holy Eucharist is so mysterious, so rich, never to be really, never, we, we never can understand fully what is going on in the Eucharist. We never will be able to explain it. So I'm aware of that. And it's even difficult to explain what contemplation and the contemplative dimension means. We are talking about so deep things and mysterious things, it's, it's really hard, but I give it a try. First of all, the monks, as they practice silence, keeping silence, come out of the silence when they enter the Eucharist. And that makes a big difference. Think about uh, in the parish, we, we chat before we go to the Eucharist, which, which is good, which is wonderful because it's already sharing, it's already communion, it's, it's wonderful to see one another and to chat. The question is, should we do it in front of the church or within the church? You might dispute over, over this question. Anyway, there's a certain quality to the Holy Eucharist when you, when you start with it in silence, so to speak, or, or when you have prepared this holy space and your soul by being silent and by praying. One means to do this, which, which is a wonderful means in the parishes, um, would be to pray the rosary because because the rosary brings you in this atmosphere, in this contemplative atmosphere. The rosary helps you to become silent and receptive for what is going to come. Contemplate, contemplation or the contemplative dimension, what does this mean? It means the meditative dimension, this pondering, this introspective, this looking, this considering. When I speak out all these terms and words, you might feel that these ways to pray are more receptive. I don't want to say passive, but at least not as active as we are used to have in the Eucharist. With the partio activa, with the active participation in the Eucharist that we have emphasized after Vatican II, and that was very good, so that everybody could really share and, and, and be involved and engaged in the Holy Eucharist, by doing this, we run into the danger um, to be too active, in a way, in the Eucharist. We are speaking, chanting, singing, praying, getting up, getting down, bowing, whereas a more contemplative approach would be to let this mystery happen in and silent environment, contemplating. 
So participation is good, but it's also good to just receive, to just listen. We talked at length about the meaning of the importance of listening in the Benedictine spirituality. I guess the way how the Benedictines understand the Holy Eucharist and how they celebrate it is very much influenced by this first word of the Holy Rule, listen. So first of all, just listen and receive what is going on there. We listen to the Word of God the whole day long and then during the Holy Eucharist we listen to the Word of God again and then we celebrate in this listening attitude. We celebrate the Holy Mysteries. I think one one um, way that could help to to gain something out of this contemplative way to celebrate the Holy Eucharist is the adoration. Because when you practice the adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, this is contemplation at its best. Because you, as you know, contemplary means to look at. So when you adore the Holy Sacrament, the Blessed Sacrament, when you look at it, you are already contemplating and you do it silently. Silently. So this is another wonderful way to prepare us for this contemplative approach of the Holy Eucharist just by spending the time with Jesus at the Holy Hour and just looking at him and deeply believe that he looks at me at the same time. When we celebrate the Eucharist in this way, the subjects and the individuals that play any role within the liturgy are not so important anymore. That means the priest, the deacon, the cantor, the altar boys, they are all important. Sure, but not as important. So, in the monasteries nowadays, we have often a good number of priests. So we can switch the presider of the Eucharist. We call it the heptomodarius, which is the presider of the week. Each priest presides the Eucharist for one week. He starts on Sunday and that goes uh, down to Saturday. And by doing this, you make clear to the community that it is not so important who is at the altar. This week it's Brother X, and that week it's Brother Y, and you know, the brothers change, and it's still the same Eucharist, and it is not so important who is preaching and who is delivering the sermon. Actually, it's it's a little advantage to have a variety of preachers. I sometimes feel pity about some <laughs> parishioners who, oh, but after six years or twelve years, they they get another priest too. But anyway, we are kind of blessed to have different preachers and to have a variety. But anyway, this is not the that is not the important thing 
important is that we kind of learn to look through all these people who serve at the altar. It is Christ who celebrates the Eucharist. It is Christ who offers the bread and offers his, himself. And this contemplative attitude helps us to focus on Christ and not to be distracted from the fact, oh, I don't like this, the nose of the priest. I don't like the way how he, how he speaks and talks and I don't like his spirituality. This all might happen. That's very human that I don't like it or that I like it, but this doesn't matter at all because the Eucharist in itself has an effect and has its value. And all people who are involved in this holy play, in this liturgy, serve the heart of what we celebrate. And imagine in a monastic community, you live together with those guys. And if you have a conflict, for example, or you really have a negative affection to somebody, towards somebody, and then he presides the Holy Eucharist. Well, that's hard. That's really hard. And uh, to receive Holy Communion from his hands. So, in those situations, as a monk, you learn to look through what is going on, to look deeper, to contemplate who is really distributing the Holy Communion. It is not the priest, it is Christ. It is really Christ who does it. And the priest only gives his hands at that moment to make that happen. We'll return in just a moment to The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual guide for today's world with Father Mauritius Fildane. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. Gloria St. Benedict, sublime model of virtue, pure vessel of God's grace, behold me humbly kneeling at your feet. I implore you in your loving kindness to pray for me before the throne of God. To you I have recourse in the dangers that daily surround me. Shield me against my selfishness and my indifference to God and to my neighbor. Inspire me to imitate you in all things. May your blessing be with me always, so that I may see and serve Christ in others and work for his kingdom. 
graciously obtain for me from God those favors and graces which I need so much in the trials, miseries, and afflictions of life. Your heart was always full of love, compassion, and mercy toward those who were afflicted or troubled in any way. You never dismissed without consolation and assistance anyone who had recourse to you. I therefore invoke your powerful intercession, confident in the hope that you will hear my prayers and obtain for me the special grace and favor I earnestly implore. Help me, great Saint Benedict, to live and die as a faithful child of God, to run in the sweetness of His loving will, and to attain the eternal happiness of heaven. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, or Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual guide for today's world with Father Mauritius Fildi. The contemplative action in the, in the Holy Eucharist becomes that through him, with him, and in him. I mean, if for the to be fully active is to fully unite through him, with him, and in him, and that in every moment, not just at the at the breaking of the bread or at the at, at communion, at, at that moment in the action, but throughout the entire course of the Eucharistic celebration. Yes, the, you put it wonderfully. Um, the goal is to become one with Christ because He wants to become one with us. And we do this in several ways during the Eucharist. We do it by listening to the Word of God. As we receive His Word, we can become one with Him. We do it by watching and observing and looking. So looking also unites. This is, this is the mystery of the adoration. So just contemplating it already leads you to this unity. And finally, this might be the, the high point, to eat Christ. So how could he come closer to us? How could he um, become more united with us? So you're right, it's, it's about becoming one with Christ. And this in itself is a contemplative achievement how you you cannot think this and you cannot know this 
you can only believe it and practice it. And this would be another uh, aspect of this topic. For us, monk, for us monks, repetition is very important. Recurrence, reiteration, in other words, the ritual. So, you know, we are kind of, the monks are kind of boring people because we have the same daily schedule every day. We pray the 150 psalms every week, always the same psalms, our life long. You could say, wow, what a boring life. And part of it also is we celebrate the Holy Eucharist every day, every day, every day. It is not boring at all because we take it as a ritual. So just to repeat this ritual has a value in itself. In other words, the way how we pray the Psalms, we just go through them, chant them until the end, and then the next one is coming. In the same manner, we celebrate the Eucharist. Just celebrate it. Just go through it, kind of. Don't worry about each single verse that you are attentive every second. It's not possible. Just do it. Just do it. For this purpose, the ritual has to be simple. You cannot repeat something so often if it is too complicated, too complex, too fancy. You have to make it simple. So, and I think so many people do this who have this practice of the daily Eucharist as their main devotion. You can only bear a daily Eucharist, let me put it like this, if it is really simple. You don't need a 20 minutes or 30 minutes sermon. You don't need hundreds of songs. <laughs> let it be very, very simple. And this nurtures you. And this is also what I what I call the contemplative aspect of the Holy Eucharist. Just do it. Just go through it. It's a ritual. Just experience it. And stop thinking, in a way. Just do it. And then you will experience. And then you will grow into this mystery. Day by day. Every day a little bit deeper. And then this mystery will shape you. And from there, you will understand better what this mystery means. And then you can go even deeper into this mystery, and so on, and so on. You grow into Christ, and he is allowed to grow into yourself. This is only possible when we do it daily. And so there, there's a wonderful... Um, value to it, to celebrate the Eucharist every day. You know, it's interesting, and we began the conversation, you had pointed out in one respect that the Holy Rule may not speak very much about the Holy Eucharist, but then on another respect, it actually speaks volumes because ultimately our the identity, that contemplation that we find in the Eucharist we find in the Paschal Mystery, and the Paschal Mystery is what's lived out every day in the life of the monk or in the life of the Christian. Right. This is my interpretation of this lack of, of uh, no, notes uh, about the Eucharist in the rule. 
the 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 Eucharist was so at the center of the of of the life of a monk that it was not even didn't have to be mentioned it couldn't couldn't be mentioned because it was penetrating everything anyway this this is what i assume and um yeah it's one of those things you have to know by faith yes. isn't it i mean right. you see it in the fruits yes final thoughts on this father mauritius yes i don't want to miss the daily eucharist anymore it is so nurturing for me so consoling this encounter with christ this having him as the center of my life amen amen <laughs> thank you so much father you're welcome chris You've been listening to The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual path for today's world with Father Mauritius Fildi. To hear and or to download this program, along with hundreds of other spiritual programs, visit DiscerningHearts.com. This has been a production of DiscerningHearts.com. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope, if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to support our efforts. But most of all, we ask that you tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual path for today's world with Father Mauritius Fildi.